morning, welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike on a beautiful November morning. Uh, just heading to work this morning, running just a little bit late. Had to go back to the house, forgot something. So uh, anyway, I think we're all good for the day. Uh, this has been a, an historical week with the election of Donald Trump. Uh, President of the United States, President-elect right now. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening because of that. Um, uh, lots of criticism, but at the same time, lots of relief. A lot of people really think that he's the right man for the job, obviously. Uh, apparently not the majority. We'll see, you know, when that all boils down, whether he got the majority of the, uh, what they call the popular vote or not, we'll see, uh, but he did win, or so it seems, the Electoral College, uh, and so, yeah, oh, excuse me, barring some, uh, calamity, Donald Trump will be the, I believe, 45th president of the U.S., um, which is just crazy, right? Uh, it's a it's a huge shift. It's a bit of a coup um, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think I've, I've I've spoken enough on politics. Uh, I really need to take a break from that. I, I'm not political in as far as being from one side or the other. I am. Uh, there, there have been a few, um, I guess we'll call them political pet peeves, how's that, triple P's, uh, that have concerned me through this whole process. Um, and the biggest of those is, uh, what does it mean when Christians and, and the, the Christian community get behind a um, candidate. What is what is that? What does that look like? What does that mean? What does that do? Uh, and especially, I've been concerned about the the candidate that evangelicals have gotten behind in Donald Trump because uh, I don't think anyone would would disagree that he is a um, uh, morally flawed individual, as we all are. Uh, but he seems to flaunt uh, his uh, uh, his uh, his moral his, his immoral ways uh, because he's you know notoriously been a person who's cheated on his wife uh, who's been married three times um, he's been caught on tape saying really really unflattering things about women. Uh, about minorities, um, about just about everybody, and even through all of that, he, he has stated that he has nothing that he needs to be forgiven for, nothing to ask forgiveness for, um, even though he has, after he got caught in that tape, the, 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 the famous bus tape, where he the, the hot mic conversation that he had, <laughs> hot mic has a new meaning now, but anyway... Uh, he, he did apologize for 
that and then with a lot of you know um, what do you call it caveats after that so uh, anyway um, had he have not been caught of course he would not have apologized or been sorry for have, having done that but he knew that that could have affected uh, his election to the presidency and wonder of wonders miracle of miracles it didn't affect it everybody thought he was dead in the water including myself uh, but really that's that's been my my problem through this whole thing it's not who wins it's not who gets elected it's what are the people of God doing and what does that say about Jesus is it is it does it truly reveal who Jesus is through that process or does it bring up a lot of question marks about who Jesus is and just how you know invested people get in the political process as Christians really really uh, concerns me um, had a, a short conversation it may have been a, a Facebook conversation with a friend of mine and actually it was a yeah an old professor of mine and, and he said he had quoted somebody as talking about how that as as Christians we are in a dual citizenship situation all the time, you know, and it's and it's an awkward marriage, uh, and and I think I would agree with that. I think navigating our citizenship both in heaven and with the country that we were born in or where our citizenship belongs to is a kind of a dance that we have to do uh, constantly. And I think everybody in the world really uh, who are believers have to do the same dance. Uh, we all have competing uh, allegiances and things like this. Um, but my my problem is not that. No, I understand that. I, I, you know, I grant that that is a reality that we have to learn to both be subjects of Caesar and subjects of Jesus at the same time. But I think where where the name of Jesus gets gets dragged through the mud is when believers are confused which is which. Or worse yet, they see their citizenship uh, there are two citizenships as a single citizenship. In other words, to be American is to be Christian and vice versa. And therefore, whatever is best for America uh, is the will of Jesus and these kinds of things. So when, when people become confused on what is American and what is, in the purest sense of the word, Christian, uh, that's that's where we run into problems, that's where we get ourselves in trouble, and that's where we, um, oh, what's the word, uh, yeah, we just kind of soil ourselves in the mud of the world while trying to wear the name of Jesus, and that's, uh, that can easily be avoided if we understand uh, that the kingdom of God and our citizenship in heaven must take precedence over our citizenship in America uh, or in any other country. Uh, 
So that, that's been my concern throughout this entire process. And it, it will continue to be a concern of mine. And I, I want to watch myself closely with that. Uh, I want to be careful with that. Uh, and I want to be loving through the entire process. Um, which is really what I want to talk about today. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts by Wayne Jacobson. And uh, his partner Brad Cummings. Uh, and right now I'm in the middle of reading uh, the book He Loves Me by Wayne Jacobson. Which is a a great book and kind of a neat premise. He says that so many Christians live their life like the little girl in the field with the daisy pulling off the, the daisy petals and and with one petal, you know, he loves me and the other next petal, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. And depending on what the last petal is that you pull uh, is what you get. He actually loves you or he doesn't love you. And that's a little game that, you know, uh, love struck girls or uh, people have played for for years at least since I was a kid I don't know how old it is uh, but it is an interesting concept because we have this this uh, existence uh, this dual existence in the world and we keep going back between feelings that, that God loves us and that he's, he's not pleased with us that he doesn't love us uh, and this is based on, you know, our own knowledge of uh, our spiritual um, obedience and maturity, and where we are in God and in our walk with Jesus, and and so we we know very well how faithful we are, uh, unless we are delusional, which is which is a possibility. A lot of things do delude us in the world. Religion is one of them. Uh, but even so, we, you know, that, that's the natural, that's the natural way that we interact with people, uh, in our everyday lives is, is so-and-so pleased with me, is so-and-so not pleased with me. And I, you know, I, I think about that with my own wife. Uh, have I, have I pleased my wife today or have I done something to make her upset? And, and actually I usually know that pretty well. Yep, she's, today she's okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I left my socks on the floor yesterday. She's not, she's not okay. Right. Um, and so this idea that God is the same way, uh, that God goes back and forth in his opinion of us, depending on our performance as his children, uh, is a very naturalistic and a very, uh, normal way. I think that Christians, um, evaluate their uh, their lives, their, their lives uh, in Jesus, their lives for God, their lives in the church. Uh, and so, yeah, this is something that should be combated. It is something that, that we do need to um, think about because it's, it's very important. Uh, because if you see, if you see God that way, as, as uh, not consistent in his love for you, uh, then, then you are constantly having to 
justify yourself by your actions and you are now living in a legalistic gospel or a, a justified by works gospel as opposed to justified by faith, right? Uh, and as soon as you do that, you diminish you diminish the work of Jesus on the cross. Uh, you diminish his plan of salvation for uh, the world. Uh, and you diminish God himself. You, you diminish you diminish Jesus down to basically a human being who is affected um, positive, positively or negatively by our actions. Uh, and I think if we were to think about that, we would realize, well, that, you know, that's not true. And maybe, maybe quite a few of us actually know uh, academically that because God is love, that he always loves us and he never stops loving us. Um, but it's one thing to know it in your head. It's another thing to know it in your heart. And I think that's what Wayne Jacobson is tackling in this book. Now, I'm not very far into it. Uh, my good friend Pat has read it a couple times. In fact, this book is a gift from him. Uh, I'm, I'm probably only on page, I want to say I got to page 48, 49 last night. But still, I think it'd be interesting for me to, to talk over right now before uh, I get too deep into the book and find out what my own feelings are on the subject. Not, not my knowledge, but my feelings. Uh, and then maybe as I read the book, maybe I'll come back with some a, a, a time where I can show that perhaps I've grown uh, in my understanding of the love of Jesus and, and what that means to me. So, yeah, uh, I can say for myself that I have lived just that way, that I've, I've constantly, uh, at least in, in, for the majority, for the vast majority of, of my life on earth, I have lived in constant fear that I am not pleasing, that I'm not pleasing God. And you tend to keep score, right? Now, I don't think we actually keep score as far as, you know, numbers of, of infractions uh, versus, you know, numbers of, of good deeds or anything like that. You know, bad deeds versus good deeds. But, you know, there are times when you will feel a spiritual cleansing, uh, whether it's a, a time of where you've hit sadness maybe for something you've done or something that's happened and for whatever reason you feel that uh, coming out of that you feel spiritually cleansed that everything is right with the world that there's a kind of euphoric feeling uh, maybe maybe because you've you've um, you've done something uh, that you know is is good as well maybe you've helped someone find Jesus Maybe you've uh, done something charitable, uh, helped uh, the homeless, or fed the hungry, uh, or even fed the sick, uh, I mean healed the sick, or uh, yeah, even something miraculous. And because of that, you feel like, uh, you know, there's this feeling of, okay, everything's going to be okay, 
uh, Jesus loves me, I feel it right now. Uh, and then that, that period will last, you know, longer or shorter, depending on, on what you do after that. Uh, you know, perhaps then you give in to lust uh, or something like this, and then suddenly you feel like, oh crap, he's not pleased with me again, I've erased all the good that I had done, uh, and now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in this sinful way, and how am I going to get out of it, and, and uh, you know, you may even try to manufacture uh, some kind of a uh, situation that resolves you, or, or sorry, absolves you uh, of, the, uh, of the sins that you've done. Or you just you just kind of have a, a bit of a spiritual depression, knowing that you've gone back into the ways that you you did not want to do. Well, that's pretty much a pattern uh, that, unfortunately, I still see creeping into my life. You know, it's not completely gone. Uh, there are some very big differences in how I handle that these days. But the feeling still occasionally comes upon me that uh, I'm now not in good standing with the Lord because of my disobedience. That still creeps up from time to time. Um, Does that ever go away? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, I would love for it to go away, at least at, at least in this life, because I know in my head that no matter what I do, good or bad, I cannot manipulate the love of Jesus in my favor. And by the same token, I cannot do anything uh, to cause the love of Jesus to decrease. His love is consistent for all the world, and he loves all the world equally. And it doesn't matter what we do, good or bad, his love is available for all. He loves us where we are. Now there are things that, that we do, you know, that there are things that, that we would call sinful uh, that are not helpful, uh, that may cloud our judgment, that may uh, uh, quelch, is that the right word, quelch? Uh, quelch the, the, quelch, quench, sorry, quench. That may quench the spirit but those are all things that happen from our standpoint. They don't change God's uh, forgiveness of us. Uh, they don't change his, the amount of love that he has for us. But the things we do can be very unhelpful uh, and they may hinder uh, 
the the work that we could be doing for him uh, were we in a better spiritual state but it doesn't change it doesn't change the way that Jesus feels about us and I think that's the most important thing I think I think there's only one petal on the flower and it's the he loves me petal that's it we get one and it's enough and we don't need to guess uh, and we don't need to wonder Jesus loves you Jesus loves me Jesus loves us and that is the default setting of Jesus that that is who Jesus is Jesus is is love and acceptance and comfort and uh, inclusion personified that's who Jesus is there are no outcasts to Jesus the only outcasts are the ones who cast out themselves and so believing in the grace of Jesus uh, is something that is all important you know I grew up in a very legalistic kind of a society where we believe that there are certain things that had to happen for you to achieve salvation, uh, and we put it in a little, uh, you know, a little nice set of five steps: hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. First, you have to hear, and then you have to hear, and then you have to believe, and then repent. Change the way you live your life. Repent. And then confess, confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. And only then can you achieve salvation. The problem with that is, uh, it's not that some of those are not true just because that's how it happens. It would be very difficult for you to believe in Jesus if, if you've never heard, right? So you need to hear about Jesus. But I, I, I like to think that the salvation of Jesus is a free gift to all that's always there for the taking. Uh, and it's just accepting that has to be done. And in the end, I don't like to put myself in the judge's seat deciding who's in and who's out. Um, and so for me, and because of the background that I come from, <clears throat> maybe I need to overdo it on the grace just a little bit. Maybe that's how I need to see it so that it balances out uh, in a truer way. Maybe that's just you know how, how I approach it. for all um, is uh, to me pretty you know pretty definitive uh, once for all Jesus' salvation is once for all been delivered um, now am I a universalist not yet I'm not a universalist yet uh, I do believe in hell in hell is constantly being challenged
open to that. I think that's um, trying to hold lightly what I think I know about hell. Um, but what I do know, you know, maybe I don't know the nature of hell exactly, but what I think I do know is that the love of Jesus is, is free to all. people come to the feast, until people gather around the table of Jesus, they can't meet him. Our job as believers, our pleasure as believers, forget about job, my pleasure as a believer is is to introduce the world to my master, one person at a time. Like the woman at the well, come and see. Come and see this man who has told me everything about my life. He knows about my life. He can explain my life in a way that not even I understood. He knows me better than myself. And oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And how he loves you and how he loves everyone. Come and meet my master. Come and sit at his table. Let him reveal to you your own life. Uh, I think that's how I need to be with myself. Just come to the table. Feast and dine with Jesus. Commune with him. Lay your head upon his chest. Recline with him at the table. Come into his rest. You know, until you know that the love of Jesus is real, there's really nothing in your life that you can change in any significant way. Because you can't do it. When people say people don't change, people can't change, you know, a bird can't change its feathers, they're right. They are completely right. 
That's true. People can't change. Not by themselves. One thing, one person can change them. And that's Jesus Christ, the creator of humanity. You know, he can, he, he knows us. He knows how we're put together. He can change us. And that change that Jesus does in us is a transforming power of love. And love and only love can transform you. Love is the only cleansing power out there. And as he begins to pour his love into you, his love begins to transform you into the image of himself. Now you still retain your identity. You retain your personality. But we don't need to be introducing people to a worldview. We don't need to introduce people to a code to live by. We don't need to introduce people to a book. We don't need to introduce people to a self-help method. We need to be introducing people to the person, to Jesus, our Master, our Lord, our Father, our Brother, our friend, our lover. He is relationship personified. And if we can introduce people to Jesus and they can see him for who he really is, that's it. That's all you have to do. That's all. Introduce people to Jesus. And one of the ways that we begin that way is by being transformed people ourselves. We are the new creation. And if you really believe that he loves you, and he loves you unconditionally, then that love is transforming you and changing you from the inside out. You are being transformed by him. You are no longer being conformed to the world, but you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind and your heart by that love that Jesus pours into you. By him, he is love. And that's where your introduction to Jesus begins. By the fact that he is he is working in you to will and to do. Right? So as he works in you, you are being transformed and already your witness has begun. And the more you hold on to, the more you cling to him and the love that he has for you, the more you will be transformed. And the more you are transformed, the greater the greater the witness you have in the world. And you will be introducing people to Jesus by introducing them to yourself. As Jesus works through you. And to the degree that he's working through you, I believe that will be 
of success you have in introducing people to Jesus. Because there are going to be people who will, will reject him. They will hear the name Jesus and already the walls are up, uh, the lights are off and nobody's home. People have been burned by the name of Jesus. People have been cut because of the way that people have wielded the name of Jesus and who have told lies in his name and who have misrepresented his love, who have put conditions on his love. Uh, they have done a lot um, to harm. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so they have done a lot to actually harm uh, people using the name of Jesus as a weapon, and it's a very sad thing. Jesus was never meant to be a, a violent weapon. He was meant to be a healing, transformative power. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I know I've kind of meandered a bit. Uh, but I know that in, in, in myself, I, I need to, to understand the love of Jesus better and truer. Uh, and if you are interested, I, I do recommend Wayne Jacobson's podcast called The God Journey with Brad Cummings. Uh, and I also recommend uh, his book, He Loves Me. Uh, but most of all, I recommend Feasting at the Table of Jesus. Just enter his presence and feast at his table. Goodbye.